Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. This podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and uh, today we'll be talking with Wes Schaefer of the Sales Whisperer about CRMs. Uh, Wes Schaefer uh, hosts the sales podcast, and he's the sales whisperer where he rehabilitates sales managers and business owners to succeed through the human use of technology. Most importantly, for today's conversation, CRMs. Wes, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. And you know what? Before we jump into CRMs, one quick note. Nine years in the Air Force. Uh, thank you for your service as well. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. So CRMs, you're in sales and people are saying, why are we having a sales guy on a marketing podcast? <laughs> where's, where, where's this going? But sales and marketing really closely tied, sometimes tied together through the CRM. Uh, so today's topic, you are a great lover of CRMs, I believe. So am I from the marketing <laughs> side. Um, so let's talk CRMs. What's, uh, what's, what, what are your thoughts here? Uh, one note I have is that you you have a, a tool for helping people find the right CRM for right. their company. Isn't Salesforce just the right CRM for everybody? <laughs> Salesforce is pretty much the wrong CRM for damn near everybody <laughs> other than big companies. Uh, and I've used that. I've, I've used Salesforce since 2004. Uh, Dell brought me in back in 2007 when they deployed it. And it was, uh, that was the biggest Salesforce uh, installment uh, at that point. Um, and I've helped a lot of companies, you know, Salesforce was an early investor, um, in HubSpot, uh, I'm a HubSpot gold partner. Um, so it's, you know, the uh, Salesforce is legit, right? They're the 800 pound gorilla in the space. Uh, but they were, they were built for big companies and they've kind of worked down, you know, to add, um, solutions and options for smaller companies. Uh, but, you know, for the small and medium business, I think Salesforce tends to be overkill. Yeah, there's a ton of functionality there that maybe uh, they will never see and use. But also designed for large companies. I've seen instances where there's companies that say, oh, well, they, they're a C CRM company. I say, okay, great. But they're like, but we, because we're a data company. So, okay, so who do you want to target? Just any and all sales and market? And they're like, no, 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 just sawmills. Say, what? Just sawmills? Like, we make a CRM just for sawmills and lumber yards. Like that's their niche. And I was sure. like, oh, I didn't know there was enough sp like specific differences needed to have that kind of um, a need for specialty CRMs. Right. But it seems there's there's quite a bit of difference between the needs from one company next. Thus, your whole topic of saying, hey, let's find the right CRM for your company. Well, it's like yes and no. Um... From a marketing standpoint, it's smart to niche down, right? They can, they can come across as the expert. Uh, they can charge more money. Uh, and, you know, as long as they are the expert and deliver great value, then everybody wins. Um, on the flip side, it's, it's like the 80-20 rule, right? The CRMs, and, and really CRMs, I think the, that phrase has grown and and for small and medium businesses it should encompass sales and marketing automation okay because the pure standalone crm really is dead uh it's why like a decade ago salesforce bought exact target so they could start doing email you know bulk email and exact target had already purchased pardot 
and Pardot, mm-hmm. Pardot does automation. So the, the CRM is the hub, right? That's the, whatever analogy you want to use, maybe it's the engine, maybe it's the trunk, right? It, it's, it's storing everything, the important information that you need. Now it's but called the, CRM, customer relationship management. It seems like you're saying not just customer, it's prospect relationship management. It's your whole audience relationship management now. Um, well, it's, and it's funny that they say that, right? Customer or contact relationship management. But again, the, the typical standalone CRM, you, you would have a pipeline, but it was all static. You had to move everything on your own. Okay, now maybe, you, maybe it would show you if a stage is, uh, is out of date, right? If it's, if it's stalled. And, and of course, it can, you're plugging into your QRP or into your accounting and you know, all this other stuff. So it's the hub, um, but it still required a human to be there, always hands in it, adding data, updating data, moving data. Uh, you know, to, to get some value out of it. And so having some intelligence built in there, hey, when a new lead comes in, send them an email, you know, send the report or whatever, uh, assign, you know, round robin to the appropriate salesperson, uh, assign a task. If the, you know, if the task is overdue, so you have to define what overdue is, you know, is it, what's your, what's your SOP, right? Is it, six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever. It's helping with accountability kind of on your team. Yeah. Then all that starts running. So the, so the CRM, you know, everything is stored there, but it's just, it's just data. Right. What do you do with that data? Okay. That's what you got to build out. And so that's what helps small businesses scale it lets you grow your sales without growing your staff. That means you're adding to your bottom line. Uh, and that's why you're in business is to make money. Right. <laughs> that's, that is the, uh, the goal typically is, is make money. Um, so I remember telling, trying to get a salesperson to use a CRM. Seems to be a classic problem when CRMs are implemented. But uh, telling this person, look, uh, talking about scaling, I know you think you can remember all your clients, but if you want to have more of them, the CRM is going to help you not just have your 10 accounts that you can keep in your head, but what if you had a hundred accounts? Wouldn't that be great? You're not going to be able to remember and not miss calls and not miss the times that you're supposed to be following up and stuff like that without some sort of system. Um, Now that's useful for sales, but are there kind of critical components that any and all companies should be um, should be using the CRM at a basic level for like, like that kind of thing. Is it just your new f- system of folders instead of having files on people in physical folders? Now you have it in, in the computer here. What, I guess, what are the basic purposes a company should be looking for if they're, you know, the listeners, maybe the company doesn't have a CRM or they're worried they're not using it properly. Well, most are not using it properly. All right. But that's true of all technology. Uh, I don't use all the features in my Tesla and I've had it three years. Right? I've used iPhone since they first came out in 2007. Uh, I'm still not using all the features. I have a spatula. I don't use all the features on. So yeah, no, no kidding. Right. <laughs> um, so the, the, 
so none of us are using any of these as we should. So that being said, so like I was saying, CRM should, uh, we probably need to come up with a new acronym, right? Because it's, it's customer relationship management, it's sales and marketing automation. At a minimum, it should be marketing automation. So that's why you have a sales guy on here talking about marketing. Because marketing is just selling in print, okay? Everything is sales. Right. Everything. You know, you walk into a restaurant, the lighting, the sound, the smell, it's all a sales. You know, it's a, something's going, it, they're trying to get you in the right frame of mind. How, where do you sit while you wait while your table's being prepared? Uh, what is on the table? happy hour, drink price, what a, it's all a sale. Okay. So as you, as you progress through this, you need to understand like the life cycle of a prospect becoming a customer, becoming a repeat customer, becoming a raving fan. So your CRM again is the hub. It's, it's storing all this data, but then you need to be taking action on that data. You need to be sending relevant information at the moment of relevance. Right. That's a great point because, Hey, these people, this is the type of thing they would deal with, but they're not always thinking about whatever your product is. It's kind of, I remember back in the day we would send email campaigns and say, look, these people at some point are going to be interested in our product or looking at it or considering this, you know, list for their marketing. We just have to be in front of them every week so that when they are, it's, you know, that's what intent data is now is saying, what if we just knew when they were interested and then could just reach out to them only at that time? Um, yeah. So yeah, when not just interested in your product, but when uh, the time aspect. Yeah. I and, love it. And you can figure that out, right? You, if your website's big enough or you have various reports, you can, you can start to make educated guesses on where the buyer is on their journey. Okay. Like my father-in-law like just last night bought a new flat screen TV. And so he's always been a technology guy and sound systems and stuff, you know, so, but there, there's a huge difference. If somebody searches for, you know, best, best TV versus best flat panel TV versus best OLED TV or OLED versus QLED, you know, or best 65 inch TV, each one of those are little nuances that tells me, okay, this person is a little farther along in their buying uh, journey. So I need to, to greet them differently. Cause imagine, you know, imagine you're working at the store. Imagine you're working at Best Buy, you know, and somebody comes in just kind of hemming and hawing, looking at phones, boom, look, picking up iPads, boom, walking over the stereos, boom, walking over the refrigerators, you know, I always tell people, don't ask, Hey, how, how can I help? Oh, I'm just looking. I ask them what brings you in today. Right. Okay. So as I see that person kind of meandering, I know like maybe they're just killing time. Maybe they just dropped their kids off at karate practice across the street. And they're just, they're just killing time. I feel like you have the difference between selling to the Eskimo that needs snow and then selling to the Eskimo that you need to convince they need snow. Yeah. And, and really, truly, I, I hate the whole convincing side of things, right? My goal is to sort, sift and separate. Sales is a lot better if you're selling to people that want it and need yeah. what you have. If they want <laughs> it, I... need it and can afford it. Right. So, 
So that guy coming in, all right, so I mean, maybe I leave him alone, right? Or maybe I say, hey, what brings you in today? Oh, hey, man, I'm just dropping my kids off karate. I just, there's crowded in there. I ain't no sweat, you know. <laughs> there's just killing around. time, right? Yeah, I mean, literally, we've all done it, right? You're walking to a furniture store. You walk into, you know, my wife will go into Pottery Barn, whatever. Joanne's looking at fabric. Okay, maybe, she, maybe she'll buy something, but she's not there for something specific, okay? Versus somebody comes in and they got literally printed out spreadsheets you know and articles and stapled together there or they're in a manila folder my wife my wife still i mean she's a paper person for christmas we have seven kids she has a notebook and she's she's writing stuff down and she uses an app for these gift ideas tracks the money receipts i mean so if she she comes in with that phone and that notebook i'm like whoa right i've got a buyer here so you got the kid at karate practice then you have the other person that's uh that's looking for a specific yeah. TV and planning so to leave with it. And as a salesperson, you could pick one or the other of them to talk to, but you can't talk to both. Well, but you can. Uh, now, granted, if they both come in at the exact same moment, yes, I've got to pick and choose. But I still, maybe they both come in. Hey, welcome to Best Buy. What brings you in today? Oh, we're not together. Oh, okay. What brings you in? Hey, look, man, I'm just, my kids are karate. I'm just kind of killing time. Hey, no sweat. We've got a stereo, got sound system back there. We've got headphones. We've got recliners. Knock yourself out. We even got coffee back there. And In other you, words, great. Don't waste my time. I need to actually yeah. sell somebody. It yeah. always drives me nuts when salespeople waste all their time when I'm trying to tell them no. And they're like, yeah. oh, I've been told not to take no for an answer. Yeah. Like, this is a waste yeah, of time crap. for everyone. That's crap, right? So then I can just turn to my wife, right? The woman that comes in. What brings you in? Oh, I'm Christmas. Hey, right this way. Okay. I can, and now I can look, I can see you're doing some research. So you can make kind of the same intellectual uh, assumptions based on where somebody enters on your website. What kind of report are they, are they repeat visitors? Okay. Is this the second, third, fourth inquiry? You know, so now I, in my verbiage and my timing, if somebody is brand new, maybe I follow up with them every three or four days, once a week. If somebody's closer to their purchase, maybe I follow up twice a day, okay? Because they're buying in the next 36 hours. Right. So how does this with CRMs, where does this come in? It seems like you have to have a lot of information letting you know where they're at, letting you know um, where they yes came no. in from. Yes and no. If, um, you know, depending on like the types of reports, uh, white papers, things like this, maybe even just have blog posts that that um, have detailed information and you're cooking uh, these visitors and you can see that they're a repeat uh, visitor to your website. Uh, so you can start to make intelligent guesses about how far along they are because people look, no matter what, it, people don't just go hang out at a website or a store <laughs> just because. Now, maybe the store, but definitely not the website. You're not killing time. During but even the practices. store, right? Okay. Like, like I don't have a, I don't have a burning desire or need for any electronics right this moment, but I do like electronics. I have everything. I've got my iPhone. I'm on an iMac. I've got the new Apple watch. I've got AirPods. I've got, I've got my, my MacBook pro down there. I've got uh, my, my, I, I've, I've gone into the Best Buy you're talking about 
not knowing what I wanted, but knowing I had to get a gift for somebody. And it's like, I'm going to look around. And, and if somebody's like, hey, what can I help you with here? I'm looking for this. Boom. They could probably point me to something a lot bigger than yeah, what I would have bought. Maybe it's a gift, right? But maybe I walk in, I got my AirPods in, I got my Apple Watch, I got my iPhone. Maybe I'm carrying my my iPad. Somebody goes, dude, you're an Apple fan, huh? You're like, yeah, of course. They're like, let me show you something. What? And they just start walking away. Okay. Maybe something's going on. They got a little promotion. They got a back to school thing. Hey, are you a veteran? Oh, yes, you are. But okay. So maybe, and because maybe the store's slow, right? All right. The guy can spend a little more time on me, talk it up. Hey, oh, you got a trade in policy. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know about that. Got a trade in policy and an open box and a military. Like, oh, crap. All right. I wasn't planning on it, but I'll get the iPad. I was saying, now you're like, what's the product? I haven't even found out what it is, but I'm interested. Um, yeah. So what is what can marketing do? What does marketing need to put into the CRM to help sales with this kind of part of the process? Because I've seen things where it's like, oh, the lead gets put in and it's basically, we got the name, email, some basic company and contact info, but there's no real context on the handoff. There's nothing giving them the type yes. of information you're talking about to know what to do with these people. Well, and that's, that's the problem in a lot of companies is when marketing has different, you know, MBOs, management by objections or um, objectives. Um, they have different MBOs than the salespeople. And one time at one of my last uh, W2 jobs, I was working for a tech startup. We were in Vegas at a trade show and I was talking to a prospect that I knew. Uh, I, I knew him over the phone. We had spoken. Uh, we hadn't met. We were agreeing to meet at the booth during the show. Um, and he was the, the CIO, chief information officer of a bank. And, uh, and we sold a lot into financial institutions. Uh, and he had his assistant and he had um, one of his directors. Okay. Uh, now, so the CIO was the decision maker. Uh, and that's not always the case, right? You can't assume just because they have the title, they're the decision maker. Sometimes, you know, they'll defer to the director of IT or whatever, right? They're the but signer, but somebody else is making They'll the just sign off on it. But in this case, you know, this guy, he was, he was the, the leader. And that's how he ran things. And, but this woman, I still remember her name, but she, she was a contractor in marketing. And as we were talking, the three of us, the three of them, so four of us, she goes, oh, excuse me. She leans in with the scanner, beep, 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 and scans all their badges, okay? Because she was paid based on the number of names that she scanned at that trade show, okay? I'm paid on sales. Now, extrapolate that out over a three-day conference, okay? I am now going to be given 50 to 200% more names to follow up with than are valid. Okay. Now, some people will say, oh, well, they all work at the company. It's good to have the contacts over there. Yes, that is true. I, it's good to build a hierarchy to understand CIO, CFO, director of IT, director of, of database, director of, of uh, the data center, director of client side. And, okay. I agree 100%. But with no additional information, now I happen to know who these people were. Right. So but if you're not there and you're getting this stuff without 
the yeah. context. I feel like you're saying the got to get yeah. all the info, not just. So, so this marketing person would hand me 300 names to follow up with when in reality, maybe only a hundred names were the people that should be spoken to. Okay. But now it just takes me longer to get through those names and time yeah. kills deals. Okay. And then, so she gets her bonus, but then sales pushes back. Hey man, marketing sucks. What do you mean? Marketing sucks. We got you 300 names. Yeah. Oh, you got me 300 names, but only, you know, 87 of them were, were real. Everybody else were just looky lose. They were there for free right. chotskis. So oh, if it takes we- you three times as long to get through to the right people, you're not even getting one third of the sales because the time is actually right. killing some of what you would have yes. gotten as well. Exactly. Like, oh man, yeah, we just bought last week. I wish you'd have gotten in touch with us sooner. Like, yeah. damn. Yep. You know, yeah, it took me six weeks to get through all the names and I missed a sale by a week. So more information, basically. You want to put through not just the basic data, but the more information you can push through, the more useful it is for the for the CRM. Yeah, but you know, the, again, there's always a trade-off. The more information you ask from me, so if you've got a form on your site and there's 18 fields I have to fill out, the chances of me filling that out are pretty low. Right. But anybody that does fill that out, that's a that's a very qualified prospect. Somebody better be calling them right this second. So there's a trade-off. Most of my forms you know i ask for like first name email and and that's it maybe only their email and then i take them to a thank you page with a little bonus offer and i say let me get your first name and last name and i'll give you this little bonus thing i wasn't even telling you about because now they're, they're already kind of i got them on the hook right all right so you got to figure out that there's a trade-off um you know how much do you ask in in return for what you give so it just needs to be appropriate and you got to test it and it's going to, it's going to evolve, but you need to understand where the sticking points are in your business uh, on h- how much information to ask for people. Now, I feel like there's hidden info too, that some marketers might not be like, some of it is no duh. You're saying, okay, you're submitting the leads. They need to be tagged with, they were from this event or they were from this form on the website. Um, but there's all this information that the, the lead doesn't have to enter in that the marketer still needs to pass on, you know, what time was the information collected? Where was it collected? All this contextual information that might actually be very helpful to sales. And I'm supposing also, I say as much information as possible. Well, not necessarily because you could make up a lot of information that just wastes the sales time. So so as much relevant information as possible is going to help with that process of not being totally disconnected and not knowing what to do or, you know, just a generic pursuit of every lead. If all you're given is, Hey, pursue these names and numbers and you don't know where they came from. You don't know what their interest might be. You don't know why they came in, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, so you, you can make an educated guess to, if you're starting off new, new territory, new vertical, whatever. So like in, in that example, I knew that uh, we had strong case studies in financial services, in manufacturing and in healthcare. So Okay, so you you give me the names of a hundred hospitals in my territory, you know, and you give me the the CIO's name and contact info to each of those. All right, it's it's better than nothing, and and in my opinion, that's not a true cold call. Okay, if I know you know John Smith, CIO at you know Redlands Hospital, uh, but I know like I had a great client in Phoenix uh, at a hospital. I could call with relevant information and pertinent case studies that should pique their interest. 
okay, and at least move the conversation along. Uh, so, so that's better than nothing. All right. Now, ideally, yes, the CIO comes to our website and requests a demo or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So now that's ideal. Uh, but it's, you, you're not going to grow a business based on these ideal circumstances. I was thinking, yeah, you can't, if if that's your business model is what if this happens, you're screwed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, right now there's no, there's no reason not to strive for that. Okay. You, things can be simplified. And I was always looking to simplify things. So when I was working with that company, I remember I I moved to California because I was working with them back in 2004. And um, the, the process back then, and, and for a lot of the people, you know, that were working there at the time, was these complex demonstrations, detailed demos, PowerPoint literature, um, set it up, let them try it for 30 days, all this crazy stuff. And I didn't do all that, right? I didn't want to carry all this equipment. I used to carry, it looked like kind of a cross between a, a flute and a trumpet case, it was kind of picture that size, <laughs> just a plastic case. And we had uh, the actual, one of the actual units in that case, um, just so people could see it and touch it. Okay. And you couldn't plug it in or anything, but it was, uh, so I just started carrying that. And then eventually we had this little desktop device. It was about the size of a VHS tape. Then I started just carrying that because the, the other unit, it was just a computer on a different form factor. So they didn't even have to see it. So I brought the other thing that was truly unique to us. And I set it on the table when it was appropriate, but we just talked. And I remember I got this new VP towards the end. He said, what you need to do is do more demos. And I looked at him. I said, Scott, I haven't done a demo in 18 months. Now, the 33 people worldwide working at this company, I was one of only three that made my quota the previous year, right? Decision makers don't want demos. They don't want to look at literature, okay? If, if you, you know, a friend of mine used to say, I, I sell million-dollar solutions to million-dollar problems. Right. Okay? I feel like you're, when you say you hadn't given a demo, though, to defend that, um, that manager a little bit you knew what you were doing sure so you could go in and do the sale but when you're trying to sell a lot of something you have to have mediocre people that can sell it still and they may need the structure of a demo to pull it off so for you it probably wasn't necessary but it's kind of like when they say the customer's always right well that's typically retail at christmas time because you hired a bunch of people that you really don't trust so you're just going to default to a rule that is not ideal but since you got a bunch of cookie cutter people that um, can't come up with their own solutions and, and do the job very well, you have to give them this less than ideal thing to follow. Kind of, kind of. But it, it, when, when marketing is not very good, then you need great salespeople. When your marketing is great, you only need order takers. Mm-hmm. Okay. McDonald's only has order takers. Would you like fries with that? Would you like to supersize it for an extra dollar? Right. So, because the marketing is great. So if, if marketing and sales and operations had their act together, they would be setting up this lead, asking pertinent questions, uh, finding a true need, and then equipping the salesperson to show up and ask 
good, hard questions that, that would persuade the prospect that you are the right person for the job. When you show up, like we, we, we demonstrate our proficiency by our bedside manner, right? By the questions that we ask. Right. So when I, when I'm given a talk uh, or, or doing training, um, I, you know, I ask people, Hey, does anybody have a doctor, like a, a long-term doctor that they've used? Okay. And, and it's great when women are in the audience because women, uh, men, a lot of times don't go to a doctor, <laughs> just a bunch of Neanderthals, but women typically have a doctor they see twice a year. Uh, and usually for a long time. Right. And, um, so I'm like, okay, how long have you known your doctor? Five years, 10 years, right? You have people, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. And I'll ask them and like literally once or twice ever has people been able to answer even the first couple of questions. I'm like, where did your doctor go to school? Where'd they go to college? Like most, I don't know where they right. get their bachelor's, where they, where they go to medical school, where did they intern, where residency, fellowship, advanced studies there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even sure I know where my doctor's office is anymore. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm like, you see this doctor regularly, right? Yeah. You know, and some of them, like they've delivered their kids, right? So, so it's like, you, you got this doctor, like you go to them all the time. You trust them with your kids, and, but you don't know where they went to school. Why do you trust them? And they're like, it's the way they make me feel. How do they make you feel like you're good, comfortable, that they know me, that they care? How do they demonstrate that? By the, their bedside manner, the time that they take to engage. How's it going? What's happening? Any changes? You know, tell me how you feel. But let's get some blood work done. Let's look at things. And, you know, the doctor never, the doctor doesn't walk in and say, Hello, I, you know, went to USC medical school and I but trust me. Yeah. <laughs> advanced residency. And look, I use the latest general electric Westinghouse, blah, blah, blah. No. So we need to teach salespeople to do the same thing, right? Okay. And marketing can tee up the prospect, prove to the prospect through good marketing that you're competent, uh, good warranty, good financials, you're stable, show some testimonials. Okay. Got some social proof. Then now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to meet with somebody because the, the role of salespeople have changed today, right? 20 and 30 years ago, salespeople had all the knowledge. You couldn't find everything that you needed. So you had to meet with the salesperson to get the catalog, blah, blah, blah. Right. So now salespeople, now everything's on the web. Okay. And the products have gotten kind of simpler. I mean, more self-service design to be able to be intuitive and stuff, but you don't need uh, a Sherpa to walk you through everything necessarily. Well, yes and no, but it's uh, like my wife, when she's researching a toy, uh, uh, a dress, whatever for the kids, like she'll dive in. She'll know more about a, one particular item than a salesperson might know, right? If I, you know, my son is big into trucks. If my son shows up on, on a dealership's lot, he probably knows more about that one truck than whatever salesman he meets. The salesman will know about the, the entire fleet, okay? But, but he knows right there. Uh, so we are there to, let, to, to give confidence and reassurance to the prospect that they've come to the right decision. 
It's different than selling them. Right. So, so it looks like what I'm hearing is you're saying marketing, anything they can pass on that helps salespeople basically points them in the right direction for what problem might need to be solved for what, um, I mean, sometimes it's obvious the customer says, here's what I want, here's what I need, um, but points them so that the salespeople can ask more relevant questions is, is going to be useful to pass through into the CRM. Yes. Um, and, you know, marketing can come in to play. Uh, you know, like I, I've got a free sales calculator on my website. Um, you can plug in your, your commission, uh, number of calls you're making, whatever. Um, and, and it spits out the info. I've got a quiz, CRM quiz, right? That, that'll ask like 23 questions. It's all just multiple choice. Boom, boom, boom. Data size, number of contacts, boom, boom, boom. And spits out recommendations, okay? Based on those answers. I've seen that. And by the way, that'll be in the show notes for the listeners if you want to check out that quiz to see okay. best, best uh, CRM fit. Yep, yep. It's uh, crmquiz.com. Uh, so based on that info, if I know that, you know, you have uh, 20 salespeople that need to use the platform and the average sale is $18,000 and the average sales cycle is, is 60 days. Okay, so now when we meet, you know, you might tell me, hey, I'm really leaning towards, towards, you know, this product. Saying, okay, walk me through that. You know, why do you think that? And they say this, that, and the other. I go, you know what? You are exactly on the right path. You know, I, I concur. Oh, wow. Okay. Or I'd say, that's a good point. Have you considered this? You know, so let me ask you something. How do you do accounting? What kind of software will you get, interact with? Do you need a QRP? What are you doing for inventory? Uh, on and on, right? So start asking some questions. You go, oh, man, I don't know. Right. Uh, let me man, make a recommendation now, because I didn't just jump up and diagnose and prescribe. Okay. Now I'm kind of asking some questions. Now they're like, Oh, I like this guy. I didn't sell anything. It reminds me of the car dealer or buying a car type thing, going in and saying, I need a car. And you're saying, well, let's figure out what's best for you versus saying, I want a Ford focus. I don't know why yeah. I chose that brand or anything like that, but uh, you're saying, okay, you kind of, why do you want that car? Maybe we should look at what's your budget. How off, how, you know, how much do you drive? What, where do you drive all, all those kind of details? So it's kind of a commodity. Cars are all pretty good these days, but there are some that probably fit people's needs a lot more than others. Yeah. And, and so I take the car example. I mean, there's not a big difference between, you know, a Ford Focus, a Toyota Camry, uh, you know, similar Hyundai or Kia. So now we just got to talk through some things. Uh, you know, one of them will have better gas mileage by a mile or two. All right. Some may have a little bit more comfort. Well, tell me about your, your daily drive. Oh, it's all local. Oh, you commute far. Okay. Uh, let's talk about warranty because it's, it's some little nuance in there that's going to tip the scale. All right. Cause at the end of the day, they're, they're all very similar cars, um, you know, similar ride. So let's, let's dial this in. And, and it really, at that point, just make them comfortable with their decision. So they don't have buyer's remorse, you know, cause they're, they're all fine in, in that example. So now you just gotta say, you know what, Hey, for, 
you know, this, this brand over here, they charge $1,500 for the premium package with leather and heated seats. You know, it's included with ours and we have a little bit better warranty. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Buyer's yeah. remorse. You don't want with a car or a CRM. That is very hard anything. to undo and take back <laughs> with anything. Yeah. Fantastic. I want to transition here. Um, make sure we get to some of this other stuff. Uh, I want to talk about you a little bit, how you got to where you are, uh, the sales whisper, your podcast, your business. Um, our audience is mostly marketers, but small business owners as well. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of those listening. Um, so yes, we talk about marketing and we try to make sure things fit for marketing, but you are a sales coach, a sales trainer. You do a podcast on sales. Can you speak about kind of your journey a little bit? How did you, how did you become that? Um, well, I, I was, I was an officer in the air force. I was married. We had a kid, had another one on the way. Uh, and after my five-year commitment, uh, from the air force Academy, I, I jumped right into sales. I wanted to get paid based on my production, right? Uh, not just time and grade. Uh, and I jumped right into sales and it was a little bit of a rocky road, uh, in the beginning, uh, got in with a couple bad companies and, uh, but, but I was always growing. I was always investing in myself. Um, and through that constant, you know, investment in myself, I came across great coaches, great mentors, uh, and that, that helped set me on the journey you know, to start doing my own thing. I was, I've always been good at, at teaching and training. I was an instructor uh, in the Air Force. Yeah, you know, at the academy, you're you're leading from you know your second year. You're in charge of the freshmen, then the juniors are in charge of the sophomores, and the seniors just make sure nothing goes to crap. Right. Sounds so like a great model for sales teams as well, <laughs> um, because you know you want to ease people in, but you also have to have responsibility. Um, I love that. So you didn't have training and sales specifically, but you did have training and training. Yes. Uh, and you know, leadership is sales. Um, I've seen it attributed to, to JFK. I've seen it attributed to Eisenhower, but you know, I say a, a leader is someone who can get people to do what they don't want to do and like it. All right. So, um, However, you can lead people on that journey. Uh, you know that's that salesmanship, right? And so that that did set me up. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have a quota right in the Air Force. Um, you know, I wasn't in recruiting. Um, but I, I learned how to read people. You know, because when you're when you're leading troops, um, you gotta pick up on the vibe. What's the attitude? Uh, of everyone. Do you have a bad apple? Can you bring that person around? Um, so that's all sales, you know, but yeah, I've been in full-time since 97. Uh, like I said, I, I kissed a few frogs uh, and I, I realized, Hey, if, and, and I, I got into technology right as the NASDAQ popped right in, um, in the middle of 2000. So the NASDAQ had already topped. We just didn't realize it. Right. So lots of turnover, layoffs, reorganizations, companies bought, spinoffs, just terrible. And um, I'm like, man, if, if things are this chaotic as an employee, it's like, it can't be any worse as, a, as an owner. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, that helped propel me into going at, on my own. If it's going to be crazy, it might as well be crazy with you in charge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then you start 
Did you start the sales whisper training? Did you jump straight to that? Well, I didn't do that till 2006. Okay. So yeah, I'd already been out and working for others for nine years. Uh, and even after I started the sales whisper, I was still at a couple uh, W2 jobs until it was, I uh, was proficient enough. We had enough momentum and recurring income to, to go it alone. Cause I mean, seven kids, my wife stayed home for 26 years. I couldn't, I couldn't risk, you know, I couldn't jeopardize them. I saw a picture of you with your wife and kids. And I was like, is he a school teacher? Is this his class? He's teaching here. <laughs> <laughs> Who are all these people around him? Um, seven kids. Yeah. You got to be good at sales. If you got seven kids. Hey, amen. Uh, you, you and Philip rivers. <laughs> yeah. I've met him. He's got, I think eight or maybe nine. Oh, you're behind man. I know. <laughs> I know. He's, he's got a little bit bigger of a uh, seed. Uh, he's got a little more money. Yeah. <laughs> a bigger bankroll to support the kids there. Um, so, so you've got the sales whisper going. Can you, can you tell the audience a little bit, like, who do you work for and, and what exactly do you do? I imagine sales consulting training, but um, kind of who, who's your audience and, uh, and what do you do for them? Well, I've got a little bit something for everyone. Uh, I've got an on-demand course, makeeverysale.com. Uh, it's only a few hundred bucks. And so that's for the individual salesperson that maybe wants to invest in themselves. Uh, you know, the company's not doing it. Uh, you know, it's videos, it's a workbook. It's, it's my strategy and how I've, I've done sales since 1997. So that's out there for the individual salesperson. Um, I've got a, a, month, a Monday morning group call uh, sell more of everything.com. So that's again, kind of for this, that same person that maybe wants to invest a little more in themselves. Uh, you can go month to month, you can save a chunk and do it for the year, but you get access to the same on-demand content. But now we have a live call. We've got a private group. You can ask questions. Okay. To, to work on your business. Uh, and then, yeah, I work with, I sell CRMs, you know, I, I work with solopreneurs. I work with you know, big businesses, 30, $50 million, uh, HubSpot, Entreport, uh, Keep, you know, used to be known as Infusionsoft. So I've got all these types that, you know, one salesperson to, to 20 salespeople. Um, so it really runs the gamut. And then beyond that, I do copywriting. So copybywest.com. So if you need help just tightening up your script, um, you know, landing pages, email scripts, phone scripts. Um, so it really, it runs the gamut. I do a little bit of private coaching, but not much because it, there's just not enough time in the day to help everybody, but I'll take on one or two clients, um, at a time just for like executive coaching, whatever verbiage you want to use. Um, right. As a trainer, one-on-one, -on -one, you, you're really limiting the amount of kids you can afford to have. Um, <laughs> well, no, cause I just charge more. So, but it, that, so that limits who I can really help. Uh, but it, right. yeah, it's a trade-off because I can't help as many. I have to charge more. So that narrows, narrows the field, but some people don't want group coaching. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you know, you're, you're at a certain threshold, you feel like maybe you've, you've plateaued, uh, some, some one-on-one, -on -one, you know, 90 days just to clear the cobwebs, look at things from another angle. You know, like I, I go take golf lessons, right? And um, I've golfed since I was 23 years old. It used to be really good. I used to play a lot. You know, now I do jujitsu. But same thing with jujitsu, right? I, somebody from the outside looking in, right? You, know, you, you get an expert that watches 
And in, in 15 seconds, my instructor can tell me what I'm doing wrong. Why a move isn't, isn't I'm, working. I'm pretty sure in his prime, Tiger Woods had at least one golf coach. <laughs> yeah. One or like, two, right? Barry Bonds had a batting so, coach. Like, uh, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't I, matter where you're at. Yeah. So, you know, I offer that, um, you know, as needed just to help, you know, help high achievers, high performers, um, just clear the cobwebs. You know, like I, I just had a golf lesson. Actually, it was the first golf lesson I've had in, in forever because I, I don't play that much anymore. But I, I play with some some college buddies, some Air Force buddies, actually, once a year. And I'm, I'm invited to play. I'm playing a couple of charity tournaments. I'm like, you know what? Let's let's go. Let's go tune things up. And um, and it was so good. And the guy, he did not tell me anything I didn't know. Right. The fundamentals, because I was a student of the game. Like, man, I, I dove into it. But I, had, I haven't filmed myself. It's so cool. He films you from the front, from the back, this new software on their phones. You know, he's drawing lines. But now I say things see. like, is my ass really that big in those pants? Yeah. Jeez. Like, man, those pants do make my butt look thick. <laughs> um, so, um, but having him like pointed out, like, oh, man. Um, and, and give me some tips, some, some things to work on, to think about, to tighten up the swing. You know, it's... Um, it's just, it was awesome to have. And it just reminded me, you know, the value of good uh, third-party training. And I would encourage companies, um, sales training is always good. Like sales is where your revenues are going to come from. And uh, a decent, so it's like a decent uh, physical um, trainer. Just somebody there to say, do some more push-ups is going to benefit you. You're going to get the, yeah. the benefit out of it. A good trainer is going to be great for you. Like sales training is one of the few things that directly pays for itself, whether you're doing it for yourself because salespeople, you give yourself a raise with every sale or um, the company's doing it because they know, hey, again, that's company sales. Let's let's increase that stuff. Yeah. Um, now, what about let's shift over real quick at the end here to back to CRMs and what marketing can do with the CRM to, to kind of load up the salespeople. Uh, can you give me maybe the main thing that marketing should be looking to provide and then maybe one thing to look out for as well? Well, the, the term nowadays um, that describes that is called sales enablement. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you are you enabling your sales team? Are you giving them the tools that they need to make the sale? Because it's not enough. You know, you've got a hundred white papers and reports and blah, blah, blah. But if the salespeople can't find them, if they don't know what's current or just know, which white papers might this lead be interested in, narrow exactly. it down. Exactly. Like narrow this down. Like here's here's 10 of them, you know, for those early in the buyer's journey. Here's 10 for those halfway there here's 10 for those you know about to make a decision so things like that there you give them this calculator you know whatever so so give them those types of things um but you know marketing needs to not sugarcoat things you know i tell my clients i i look at their their branding their messaging their taglines and i'm like if if I can remove your logo and put your competitor's logo on there and they can say the same thing, then that's a crappy tagline or value proposition. You know, family owned and operated, or we care about, we provide great service after the sale. You know, like. Well, basically okay. you had a blank space there. You had to put something in it. So. 
Yeah. And so, <laughs> and it's usually just me too, ho-hum, blah, blah. Oh my gosh. Give me a break, dude. It reminds me of the, uh, the doctor analogy used earlier. I love it. It seems like marketing is kind of the uh, receptionist, kind of the pre you're seeing the doctor people. And uh, I've seen doctors and they come in after you're sitting there a while and they say, so what's the problem? Or, and then there's doctors that come in and they say, so I see da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, they didn't go spend an hour. I wasn't waiting that whole time because they were researching. They were fed that information so they could come in and ask more relevant questions and jump straight into things instead of some salespeople that you get on calls and it's basically like you're blind, total cold call, barely know the person's name. And you have to just ask them like, okay, what do you guys do? Here's what we do. How can I, it's like, wow, that's a lot of wasted time. And it kind of tells them right away, this is a waste of time. I don't want to talk to this person versus having the starting off point. I think the marketers could really help with. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, as a business owner, my goal is to have such great marketing that I can have low dollar salespeople working for me. Right. I mean, because I'm in business to maximize my profits. Uh, you know, McDonald's has, you know, teenage, you know, hormone raging brace face kids, you know, with a 300% turnover. The least employable people, let's just say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's who they have at their stores. And, you know, McDonald's is still continuing to grow because their marketing is solid. Okay. They've got processes in place. So even if there is turnover, they don't miss a beat. So, so what are you doing to develop and nurture ideal prospects that are ready to buy? You know, can I, can I get that prospect to second base or third base, rounding third base, then just hand them off to the salesperson to guide them on home? It's kind of what the, the software as a service boom is really saying, hey, we're going to eliminate the salesperson and make this whole process you go online you see the options you purchase one they have all the yeah you know, maybe still call them sales fund but it's really it's a marketing journey and the salesperson's kind of cut out of that i may remember making a mistake early on in my company where i thought we're going to have the best we're going to have amazing salespeople. that's what we're going to focus on great sales training which again is is good but <laughs> um and then i realized at one point oh our product in our marketing needs to be good enough that a average salesperson can still succeed because if you have to be world's greatest salesperson to sell this, that's just a bad business. Yeah. Like the marketing needs to make a mediocre salesperson look good. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about a, a mistake with a CRM? What's something that, that people need to look out for marketing needs to look out for that can cause problems when either selecting a CRM or just in the use of the CRM and how they interact with sales. Um, man, so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be the biggest one. Just uh, even we, like a one that you find. The big, well, <laughs> so a couple of the biggies are you see like people come in. Oh, well, I saw that Oprah uses this or, you know, Tony Robbins uses this. So I want to buy it. I'm like, are you in the same position? You know, right. so looking at what your competition's using, it could be a good starting point. It could be a terrible starting point because I guarantee you Oprah and Tony Robbins didn't start with that. Right. You know, so, so make sure you're getting tools, you know, the right tool, the right stage of your business. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, like technology is going to solve all their problems. 
And the first thing I do when I work with a new prospect or a new client is we pull out a piece of paper, usually like this big butcher block paper or a big whiteboard, and we write down, I call it process before login. So I've got a video and uh, a PDF they can get if you go to the saleswhisper.com slash PBL. It's free uh, process before login. It walks you through the mentality of, you know, before you log in, so just like if you go grocery shopping when you're hungry, you're going to buy a bunch of crap you shouldn't buy. Okay. If you go shopping for technology when you're desperate or you're just persuaded by the flashy stuff, you're going to suffer. If you walk onto a car lot. When you, you have to done, buy. Yeah. You haven't done your homework, right? Your car just broke down. Oh crap. It's raining. Blah, blah, blah. You haven't done any research. You saw an ad. You know, Labor Day sale, Valentine's Day sale, and you just go in, you're going to overpay, right? You need to look around and say, okay, I found it's a Ford Focus, but I, I got I got three, you know, three used ones, all, you know, within a year of each other, all within 10,000 miles of each other. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got this one. All right, this is the one I want to start with. Here's my, here's, you know, the absolute most I'll pay. Here's a home run that I'd like to get them down to. So anywhere in between. I'll consider that a victory. If you don't walk in with that kind of prep work, you're going to get hosed. So the same thing with technology process before login. What do you need it to do? What software do you need it to integrate with? How many people use it? What are their departments? Marketing, sales, operations, HR, you know, who all needs to tap into this thing? Uh, And if, you know, do you need it to integrate with their platform does it integrate so there's there's so many things you got to start documenting but if you just make a list of the top five or ten things that you need before you go shopping you're going to be much better off seems like a lot of uh, small businesses in particular like if they go to salesforce salesforce will sell them salesforce but there's probably a free crm for their size that fits all their needs and or they could be getting this large salesforce uh set up yeah, it's um, that's the problem when you go. Yeah, you go to the Ford dealership. You're going to buy a Ford. You know, granted they may have <laughs> they may have some used cars. They'll have some Chevys there. But if you're looking for new, you're only going to buy a Ford. If you come to somebody like me, I'm going to help you find the platform. You know, from like six or eight that I work with, I'm going to help you find the best one. So kind of get insurance. You know, you get a, a captive agent versus a broker. Like, okay, let me go find the best one for you. Um, so you know, you need to take that into consideration. Uh, so it's, um, a little bit of prep. It sounds like do a little bit of prep <laughs> measure twice, cut once. Huh? I guess, so it's not just Google best CRM, but think you, you got to set up. What, what do I need from this yes. thing? What do I need? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. So show notes, you've mentioned many sites. We'll try to get all those into the show notes. I've got uh, saleswhisper.com slash PBL, I think was the one you said a little while ago. A whole bunch of others. The listeners, you can go to the, the show notes to see more information on Wes, on the Sales Whisper, his podcast, the website links, the CRM quiz, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's all on ifyoumarket.com in the in the show notes for this episode. And then uh, please find us on social media, share us, um, subscribe if you're not already, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Wes Schaefer, of the sales whisper. Thank you for listening to the, if you market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with the right CRM, they will come.
Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000 like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.